And we are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. And what is going on, my good friends, this evening? Not a man. No, there's no piano in this fucking song. Yes, there, there is at the end. It, it goes into like <laughs> some solo and it's like, dun, 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 it's like piano and all kinds of shit in there. This sounds like an 80s poppy, like the soft rock. It's great. Yeah, no, I know. Don't get me wrong. I like it. But it, <laughs> it sounds like something uh, uh, the guy from Wham would sing. Wham? Yeah, Wham. Fucking Wham. With an exclamation point. <laughs> so, yeah, tonight's show being brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com. Sims Fishing. SimsFishing.com. Tonight's show is being recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at UrbanFlyCompany.com. Eric's Hooks. Tying at Eric's Hooks. Eric'sHooks.com. Check out our boy Ryan Evans at Queen City Guiding for some of the best trips and uh, all the uh, materials you'll need to tie flies. QueenCityGuiding.com. Don't call the bank. Call Frank. Yeti built for the wild. Ooh, and uh, tying night. Oh, yeah. This Friday. Uh, the 28th. Yes. Uh, you know where it's at? Ta-da Dance Studio in Mercer at in the square. There you go. So, Tonight's guest. Rick Harrington, man. Um, if you guys listen to podcasts, which you surely do because you're listening to us right now, uh, if you haven't checked out the River Rambler, you're missing out, man. Rick is uh, he's an artist from the Pacific Northwest, and uh, he's also a fly fisherman and podcaster. Oh, yeah. And hey, we haven't talked to Rick in a while. And he drew our logo. Yeah. So check that out. It's been a couple years. year. Uh, I think it's been two, yeah, two or three years. Nice to catch up. Yeah. Um. So we talked to him right before he came out with his first episode, and he's on episode sixty-three now. So there's a a reference of time for you. Oh God, that sounds so good. Did Did I tell you guys last week I tried to get Ashley to drink a beer and describe to me how it tasted? He's doing dry January. So. So I tried to have Ashley drink a beer and tell me, just tell me how good it was. She's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I said, like, it has to be a Miller High Life. Please tell me how good it is. She's like, I am not <laughs> drinking one of those. <laughs> so uh, Jay's cousin Shane is in studio this, this, with us yeah. this evening. So, um, hey, Shane, introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Shane O'Toole. I'm there. From loud, man. Talk loud. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm Shane O'Toole from Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. Hopefully here very soon. Yeah, permanently. Yes. Heck yeah, man. That's cool. We can't wait to have you around. Uh, I'm glad you uh, you brought some wisdom upon Jay yesterday. Yeah. You know, a few different people. Talked to a couple different people. I, you know, I've been keeping Bob in the loop, too, because it's, you know, it was Bob Smoker. So he was uh, he was all about it. He said, you got to do this, man. You got to make sure you're doing this. And I said, I, Bob, I watched this cool video. And he's like, I watch all them videos. Those dudes are awesome. So did you get blacked out drunk when you when you fired it up? Just like in memory of Bob? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I got I got pretty drunk. I mean, as the day went on, but I'm just saying I that, didn't start that early. That that smoker probably doesn't know how to function with a sober sober person pe- feeding it wood. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I do know. I'm just I, I wasn't sober, but you know, I wasn't drunk. Uh, no way, Bobby would ever handled it in that condition. <laughs> no, <laughs> sober. I mean, <laughs> no, but Budweiser in hand. At all times. 
But no, man, that thing minus six degrees. I mean, talk about that a little bit, or you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't. I haven't, fuck, it's been minus six. I haven't fished. I haven't done any fishing. <laughs> I think we should talk. We haven't talked much about um, us being all in archery league together. Yeah, we have not spoken about that. Yeah, so we can talk about that in a little bit too here. Absolutely. But, hey, this is show prep for everyone who yeah <laughs> who wants some behind the scenes baseball. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, so I. I got the smoker that I used at Christmas. I talked about Uncle Bob's smoker, man, and it was a funny talk. I, ta- I called him earlier in the morning, and uh, he, how's he doing? Good, good, really good. Good. He's 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 doing well. Enjoying the North Woods. Yes, they they hit a bear on the, on the road with his fist. <laughs> no. Yes. Uh, and you know they love seeing all the moose up there. They just they love seeing the wildlife, and so he's got a decent old job up there, and she's doing her thing, and he does better when he's traveling. Yeah, we all so, do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, you know, I used it then, and I wanted to start. I want to, you know, trying to jump on the. Other than getting fat and bald, I mean, and growing a grizzly, ugly beard. I mean, I'm going to start smoking some food. Like, you know, I think every other guy that smokes food looks more like you than me. Absolutely. <laughs> you mean <laughs> fucking stunning? Yeah. Or at least, has, you know, at least, has a little, at least has a little gut on him. Shane over here has smoked a lot of food, and he's been into that stuff for a long time, too. So, you know, you sent me that video. I kind of went along with that video for any, Meat Church. Yeah, for yeah. anyone who isn't in on our personal text messages, it's the Meat Church. Yeah, it was that guy's awesome. He was he was really Matt, good. He explained very well, and it was it was a pretty easy process. Matt Pittman teaches times and temperatures. Yeah, so you can use it on any any pit, and it's all you know, kind of. I mean, it's kind of a not an exact science. No, anyway. it's not. It doesn't. I mean, like I noticed with that, and that's easier. You were saying, but I mean, if as long as you kept it between two and a quarter and two seventy five. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in that range. I mean, and I was able to keep. Pretty good temperature at like 225 most of the day, between there and 250. Yeah. So once you get the fire built up in that thing, and it's a big, it's a decent sized smoker. That's what, quarter inch wall firebox? Yeah. So yeah, you're going to be able to make a fire and keep the fire at a consistent temperature. And then, man, once you, I, I had such a good bed of uh, coals going. I mean, but in the morning, I mean, it was six, minus six, I was like, I'm sitting on the couch, and I got it started a little later than I wanted to. It all finished out good timing, though. But, uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm, my wife went out and bought a big piece of meat. I told her to buy a piece of meat on Fridays, and I'll smoke it on Saturdays. And so, you know, looked up that. Didn't have that exact rub, but used a good rub I have at the house. You used a Killer Hogs barbecue rub, yeah. which is a Malcolm Reed, you know, um, how to BBQ right. That's some good shit. Yeah, it was. It's real good. I liked it a lot. So I did a little, did some of that on there, nice and heavy, like they let it sweat for forty-five minutes. They said, you know, so everything marries to the to the meat itself. Yeah, you don't need a binder if you do that. Yeah. So I did that and got the <clears throat> got the temp up to you know right kind of where I wanted it, and the fire went easy. It was right away when I called Bob. It was funny. He's like. Man, if you're having a little trouble with your fire, get your get your leaf blower out, dude. I'm a I'm a leaf blower guy. Like every time in that box, like I, I can start a fire and have it going in 30 minutes, 45 minutes maybe, and and have it up to temp and going pretty well. And you know, you had to have went through some freaking wood yesterday. Not as much as you think. Not as much as you think. Because I went through two full ch- or a, a chimney and a half on Friday night cooking chicken breasts in my Weber kettle. 
of charcoal. I mean, I, I just because it was so cold out and it was just burning through that. It, it's just the air mixture, the cold air, and it, you need a lot more BTUs to keep the temperature up in the box. I have and I have a ton of good wood out in my in my house. So I yeah. have pi- I have huge piles of wood that are all underneath a sh- like a shed area, wood shed. So I mean, it's pretty nice. I have a ton of oak. I have a bunch of cherry that I, that's what I've been starting all the fires with is cherry. Keep cherry going for a little while, and then I'll kind of pull into my oak. You know what I mean? Just to keep up temps, and it's a little easier. You could put a nice big ass piece of oak on there, and it'll burn for a long time and burn slow and hot and. So, not change subject, but my wife and I did absolutely nothing yesterday except sit on our fat asses and watch Ozark and have a fire going. Mm-hmm. I went through three loads of wood yesterday in the house because uh, the the oak uh, the oak does burn a lot longer than the cherry does. Yeah, that's for sure. Even in the house, yeah, cherry has a, probably a little better taste to it. I don't know. I don't know how it all works, but I don't know. Smoke, smoke. I guess. Yeah, I'm just out there cooking, man. If someone can tell you that they can taste the difference between a a log. You know, oak logs and cherry logs and mesquite logs. I think they're full of shit. It's a log. It's a log. I, I, I think hickory is very distinct, though. Is it? I, in my opinion, I, I, I know when I know when hickory is used in a smoke. There you go. If you're going to speak. Sure. If you're going to talk, talk into the mic. <laughs> Sorry. You're fine, man. You're, you're a lot bigger than Jace. Jace always... Wait, Jace has the world's worst microphone etiquette anyways. So it fits you to be at that... That position yeah. in Jace's seat. <laughs> he, he's talking but he never talks into the mic. <laughs> he wants to talk to you, not into the microphone. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's the feeling I have right now is I yeah. want to pull away, but I know I shouldn't, so it's kind of a battle. <laughs> no. And hey, if anyone's also keeping tabs at home, this is our 299th episode. So we have a lot of experience doing this. This is my second. The last time I was on the show was your bachelor party. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. Holy shit. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. That that was back when we used to record on an iPhone. Yeah, it was just like a little <laughs> tiny like Yeah, like a little mic. <laughs> like a little lob speaker that you'd clip to your uh, your yeah. shirt. Shit, I totally forgot you were on the show. Yeah, this <clears throat> this is a lot nicer, a lot better sound quality. Yeah, it's a nice setup. It's uh, kind of like a radio studio. But yeah. So I did a pork butt, if I didn't say oh, that already. No, you did not. No. Sorry, I, yeah, I, I did a pork butt. You. So, you know, no, it's all right. I don't mind the side talking. Uh, did a pork butt. Like we said, got it all readied up, threw it in there. How was that? Got it all readied up, you know, <laughs> shake my hands, waving my hands in the air. That's getting it all readied up. All the magic falling out of my hands. Uh no, I tossed it in there, man. I, you know what I like? I didn't. I didn't have to open. Once that thing goes in there, I don't open the open the door again. Yeah. So Except I, to wrap it. Yeah. Until I thought I was about ready. Uh, that was. Did you spray it with apple cider vinegar? No, I didn't. I didn't. I. I. The guy he did. Uh, I. I didn't have any, so I didn't. I always but have trouble finding my spritzer. I'm. I'm a big proponent of just dry. Yeah, most of my smokes are dry. It's rare that I I use it. What kind of what kind of pit do you have? Um, well, I used pellet grills for a long time, but I've had Santa. I don't have one now. I once we move, I'm gonna try and get something. I, I don't know yet. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter what kind of pit you have as yeah. long as you you're cooking over a live fire. I had a real nice uh, Lockhart pellet pit boss pellet smoker. It had a big cabinet on top of it, and uh, I really liked it, but. It, it, it kind of compacted on me, and then they're they're kind of disposable anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? 
It's it's painful to throw it away though cuz uh, the price you pay for some of these. Yeah, goddamn right. But but they're made of thin wall metal and they're not meant to be outside. Well, the the pellet grill, the, the auger, auger. It, it compacts because those pellets if they get moist they release they expand and, then, and yeah and then that sawdust and it'll burn the motor up because it'll it'll the motor's trying to turn and that auger's not turning because it's locked in place and they're really really tough to take apart i've tried and unsuccessfully yeah a few times <laughs> <laughs> so how i I'll, can't weld but bob's a big ass welded machine that's made out of like steel drums yeah his is a fucking, home, yeah, homemade deal yeah on, on a trailer so but Again, man. Then you open it up later. You, and I ha- didn't have any troubles, man. Just kept it, kept the door kind of how I wanted. I would have the thing eight feet from my front w- door, so uh, that was easy enough. I could, or from my front window, so I could watch football, look over, watch. Make sure it wasn't on fire. <laughs> make temperature is good. I was able to leave for like two hours. Lo- left, dropped my kid off at a birthday party. Then we had another birthday, family birthday party. Left, went to that one for probably an hour and a half. Left, for, you know, was scared. <laughs> like, oh man, if something happens or drops, Abby, temperature. we have to get home now. And I'm like, man, so I kind of got home quick. Once my wife found out I, we were having people over, she was, oh, she was not happy at first because she thought the house was still trash. The house isn't clean. Oh blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah, dude. I spent, and I, and I'm a smart son of a bitch. Sometimes. Or <laughs> at least after living with somebody for 14 years, you know exactly what they're going to say. Well, I have to get home and make sure the house is cl- I cleaned the whole house, swept it, this, cleaned this, cleaned that, made sure all the dishes were done, which I hate fucking doing dishes. I did that yesterday, too. Fuck. I was tasked with cooking and cleaning on Friday. Oh, I hate the cleaning part. I'll do the cooking. <laughs> but, uh, made, and she's like, oh, okay. yeah, and then it got a little cooler. It wasn't as bad, so, so um- everything was fine, and... How many times did you ask your wife, do you have a three-way? You, me, and some of this pork. I didn't use that one, but I should have. <laughs> That's why you need me. That's why you should have invited me over, Jay. I could have yeah, reminded I, you to use these lines. Yeah, I should have. <laughs> well, we'll have to get a, a few more people out there next time. My house is kind of small. It's hard to fit a lot of people in right now. Well, that's why you're doing the basement. Yeah, I know. For, yeah, yeah. Come on over and help. Make sure. Get, get over there, off some smoked food and beer, and as soon as you start drinking it again. It oh. tastes delicious over here, buddy, by the way. What's today? It's 23rd. Eight days. Eight days, but who's counting? <laughs> so I kind of just got a feeling like uh, it's got to be somewhere around there. I got to at least check it. So when I checked it, it was like 173. See, he said 165, but hey, <laughs> I'm not perfect. That's <laughs> 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 no, so it was close, you know. Uh, that's close enough. Brought it in, threw some uh, butter on top of it, some brown sugar, just threw it right back in, covered it, tin foil, and threw it back in there for like another two hours. One idea I should have told you yesterday is I like spicy brown mustard on the outside of of a pork butt. I think it it goes well with when when you're shredding it that outside crust that you get. Yeah, the, he uh, he did use that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Like I said, Meat Church has a lot of good, a uh, lot of good videos that you can watch, and he does a lot of different uh, cuts of meat. So, it's it's a good way to burn a negative six degree morning. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was fun. <laughs> it was a good way to burn a day of watching football, and you yeah. know we got to eat good at the end of the day. So, 
yeah, man, that that's a nice cooker you have. It it's a lot easier to use your pit than it is to use my Weber kettle and try to smoke something that big. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. It was. You could have fit three or four in there. It'd have been nice to have something. It felt lonely. I needed yeah. to have. You know what? I, I was thinking about this. Um, I should have made like you know something even like some mac and cheese and had it in like you know and uh, throw away thing and toss it in there and. I did that on Nolan's birthday. That smoky mac and cheese it came yeah. out really good. Yeah, should have done that. But these are all things that you know. Next time. Yeah, yeah. So. it's a learning process. You are gonna look like us relatively soon. Oh, you're gonna get a gut. I can't wait till you get a gunt. Oh, it's gonna be the best. <laughs> the, the I'll be the I'll be the little uh, uh, shortest skinny guy with a fat belly. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna look like you're three months pregnant. I love you. You and your sister are going to be rivals. Yep. <laughs> uh, the only thing is she's got bigger tits than you. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Let, let's write that down. What? January 23rd. Jay is not getting fat. Yep. There you go. But So we pulled it out, man. Shane started ripping into it. He couldn't help himself. He just had to get his hands on it. So He loves putting his hands on the pork. Oh, yeah. He was just all about it. Ah, it just tore through it. And it, it fell right apart. Bones just fell right out of it. How long did you let it rest? 45 minutes. Yeah, at least 45 minutes. And then when I put my hand in, I shook, shook it. Shook like jello. You give the jingle. And I, and I knew it was ready. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Turned out really good. I, I felt like it turned out pretty well. Didn't need any barbecue sauce. My wife went out and bought barbecue sauce and stuff and didn't need it at all. It was just great. Yeah. Even good, better today. Good pulled pork normally doesn't need it. I, I like putting a little bit on just because for color added, for color purposes. But I, I shredded it, a little bit of salt, you know, good salt on it. to You know, insides need yeah, a little bit of it's salt. It's a big piece of meat yeah. for only seasoning the outside. Yeah, Jane Salt, you know it up man people are eating it like crazy my go. dad was drunk after the Bengals won your dad was oh, drunk he hasn't been drinking much but uh <laughs> he he wanted to get into it you know the Bengals were on he's been a diehard Bengal fan you know his whole life basically and haven't been good since 1988 so he's been he's been pretty uh pumped about that you know <coughs> riding the Bengal train who day you know who day nation over there so he's <laughs> i i uh I was having a good time. He was he was loaded, but he was just over there, man. You could just tell he was ahead. He was a little loose, and he's just over there, just handing my <laughs> just eating the shit out of it. He just put his face in it. Oh uh, like yeah, that's what my 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 uh what my mom said. She's like, she needs to just put that on the floor, and him and the dog can just eat it together. <laughs> 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 oh, it was great. We had a good yeah, it's good little time. I'm glad the food turned out all right, and I need to uh, step my game up, try something else. What's next, Chad? I would say a flat iron roast. That's my that's my favorite on the uh to be smoked. And then sear it at the end. With some ribs too. Ribs are good. Um you're gonna hear a lot if you can watch videos on YouTube, you're gonna see a lot of three, two, one methods. That's too much time. It's like two, one, half hour, I would say. For if, ribs? For ribs. I'm not familiar with that. Three, two, one. You let them in the smoke for three hours. You wrap them in foil for two hours, and then you glaze them for an hour. That's that's too much time, I think. See, I, I've always been uh, five hours, 225, and 
But I, I also, I, I use a good kosher salt, a good rub, and then I cover them completely in light brown sugar. Yeah. That caramelization holds the moisture into where I can, I can let it go that long. And they, they don't usually fall apart too bad either. I mean, they're, they're extremely tender. Yeah. A lot of guys, when they wrap them, they'll put the brown sugar and the butter in, in the, the butcher paper and, and get the, the coating like that. And then they'll unwrap it and glaze it for the last hour. But like I said, that's, that's too long, I think. You get uh, fall apart or fall off the bone ribs. You don't get bite through ribs. I can see that. There's yeah. a big difference. I like to bite through my rib a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You like you'd be able to bite it and have a, a, a mouth imprint on the bone. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to complain if it falls apart, but. <laughs> no, no. no. I don't ever complain about ribs. No, absolutely not. So, uh, we have been shooting archery league. Yeah, man. We have. It is the best way to burn a Tuesday night in January, I think. Sure, sure. The crowd's good on Tuesday night. I'm glad we got on the Tuesday night league. Hold on, I'm gonna cut mouth over here. <laughs> yeah, Jay, uh, he had to fight and kick and scream to get on Tuesday nights with oh, yeah. us. She was like, "We're full," and they're like, "Oh well, we'll just have to kick somebody." Said, off. Bitch, please. No, I didn't say that to Deanne. <laughs> I would never say anything like that. I said, "Please, please, pretty please," and then she knew who we were. You know, she does. I have worked on her house, and you know, I know them, so they you know hooked us up, and <clears throat> there we were. She said we'll be on Tuesdays, and sounds great. But Archery League, we shoot 16 targets, three arrows at a target, Yep. and two guys at each target. Mm-hmm. And we have more than uh, more than 16 lanes worth of people shooting every Tuesday night. So uh, we got to rotate around. Um, it It's a good time. Um, it is. Scores this year have been... I know we're only in the first week of scoring, but they've been higher this year than they were last year. And uh, you hear the the comparison between Monday nights and Tuesday nights. Monday nights is a quieter league. They take it way more seriously. And their scores aren't as high as ours. If you if you check it out. Yeah. So I, my, my scores are horrible. I well, mean, this is also your first time ever doing it. It's uh, I've been shooting for less than a year. Yeah, I've been shooting since I was like 16 there in leagues. And, uh, and my scores aren't much better than yours. <laughs> so I don't know any better. Just point and let it go. Oh, my God, my bow. I have a sharp screw on the on my rest. And when the bow recoils in my hand after I let it go, the sharp screw cuts my thumb, the top hmm. of my thumb. Uh, so I can't like stand with my hands on my hips at archery league. Because I get blood marks on my t-shirts. It, it's the weirdest thing. And and I never think about my bow until Tuesday nights. So I never think to, to go and file that screw down. So now I'm, I just have a callus built up on my on the top of my thumb. You know where like some people, uh, not anything but bows, but some, you know, hit your arm sometimes. You hit your arm a little bit here and there, you know what I mean? You can hit it, yeah. Oh, I when I... When I did that stupid ass move, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I think Chad hits his belly when it goes by. Oh, I'm close to hitting a nipple. Yeah, because <laughs> because my my tits are getting so big. Clips a nipple off. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna definitely want to lose some weight. You're like I don't know about all that smoked food, buddy. Wait till your nipple gets clipped, Jay. <laughs> I I will tell you, having a beard, I've caught beard hairs in it before. Oh yeah, because you're. Yeah, that would hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you should see Adam's uh, 
where his release goes, it just looks like a big bush. It looks like a 70s porno bush from all his big, long beard hairs. It's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm enjoying myself. My brother-in-law, he's enjoying it a lot. And he shoots well. He shoots pretty well yeah. for it being his first time around doing this. He's shot a little longer than me. Uh, like I said, he took his first year this year with the bow and everything. and He is. He's pretty accurate, pretty consistent. He's been around the 412 range. What did you shoot last week, Chad? 404. 404? But who's counting? I, everybody. That's the point <laughs> of it, right? I, We're all counting. I only remember scores because I keep score for our team. And you know why I keep score? So I don't have to pull arrows. There you go. See? We have John and Adam f- for doing that. Hmm. Bruce is too old to pull arrows, so John pulls Bruce and mine's arrows, and Adam pulls John and Adam's arrows. That's how it goes, man. You gotta be smart. Adam pulling my arrows. I've been pulling all the arrows. No wonder I'm tired at the end. (laughs) Man, I haven't been to a skateboarding on Friday night in like a month. Hmm. I was gonna go this Friday. Nolan missed school Thursday and Friday. Just. Didn't want to reward him for missing school by taking him skateboarding. Yeah, I can't do that. But he was being a little asshole, so we made him go to basketball on Saturday. Nice. Get out of our hair for like two hours, please. God, I can't wait till summer comes around so we can just send the kids outside. Oh, I know. Because they're just being little shits. I've seen your little shits out there trying on the snowboard, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, w- I-, I guess I didn't tell the story right there. So I plowed snow earlier today, and I haven't smoked a cigar in like three weeks. Not since I, I went musky fishing with Mark. And I was driving and plowing and using both hands, so I had the cigar in my mouth the whole time, and I'm just kind of a pussy. So I came inside and promptly threw up. The nicotine buzz got me. So uh, my son wanted to go outside and play. I said, no, dude, I'm out for the count. And... uh my wife took him outside to play, so I wish I would have went out snowboarding with him, but I had to uh, rest up to do this. Jace just told me to uh, plug the old uh, Beetle Dude. Beetle Dudes? What's uh, Adam? Adam, yes. Adam Nickel. Yeah, oh, he did just Jace got his head back. He, he head said back? he likes it a lot. Wait, you know? hey, how'd that motherfucker get his head back? I don't know. It's actual buck. I give Adam a sick of deer. Like three weeks before archery season started, and still haven't gotten it back yet. He said sick of deer suit, stupid. <laughs> he said it's the size of a fox head. <laughs> he said super teeny. That's crazy. They are pretty cool looking, though. Yeah, I, he said he'd have it this week at oh. Archery League. Speaking of Archery League again, uh, well, yeah, I, I shot my best yet. Every week I've, got, I've gotten uh, better, 45 points better. Since week one, so I mean it's pretty quick climbing up there. I don't think I'll get much better than I have was this week, but <clears throat> maybe. Right, I'll be right underneath you here, real quick. I was at a three ninety this week, so yeah, that's good, not man. Too bad. It's good. Some of the guys are shooting really well, like Bruce and them. But well, Bruce shot four forty three last week, so he used to annually he was high score or high average, but uh. Now that he's getting older and some of the young punks are coming up, that uh, that kind of went away. Uh, the best part about archery league is hanging out in the parking lot at 19 degrees. Oh, that's after gr- archery league. That's great. 
standing out in a parking lot and not drinking beer. It's some great. of these some of these guys are <laughs> fucking hilarious. You and oh Adam oh and Adam noticed like dude you can't you gotta have it's like um throwing cornhole. You can't do this completely sober. Like I mean and I'm not saying you're supposed to be, you know, st- staggering over yourself, but it's like shooting pool. Yeah. You there there's a fine line between not having enough beers and having too much beers. The sweet spot. Yeah, yeah but even just having a drink or two before you go in, you know? Uh, I think it helps. It it definitely helps. Adam was shooting a little shitty, and I had a double shot of uh, Captain waiting for a Coca-Cola in my car. And I'm like, we can go out there and have it. He's like, all right. And ran out there. Two, two, two shots later. This is while we were shooting. Well, it, wasn't, it was my turn to go and then go again. And, uh, <coughs> and he went out, came right back. Two, two shots later, two uh, you know, uh, targets later. Shooting great. The guys on my team, you know how we go from the lower room to the upper room, and sometimes you have to to wait a target. Yeah, they ran out to the truck. They didn't shotgun beers; they just chugged them and then ran back in. And then they ended the night really good. Yeah, sometimes it takes it. Uh, those guys are those guys are professionals, though. Yes, they are. They're impressive. Bush lattes all around, all the time. <laughs> They're true rednecks. So, we got 10 minutes with Call Rick. Do we want to go and take a gentleman's break? Sounds good. Alrighty, guys. We will be back with Rick Harrington. I got a lot of lead in my zeppelin. So, step in and climb my stairway to heaven. I'm rocking electric. I'm rocking electric. Talk to me sexy. Leslie don't mind when I call her Lindsay. Blow hair slow down before you hit me. Let me get a look. And we are back with Richard Harrington. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. Um, just hanging, working. Mostly work day today. Was it doing some painting? Yeah, some painting, some prep. Uh, you know, every painting I got to prep a canvas for, some sketches for some new stuff. Um, work, work, work. So I can take days off during the week to fish. You got anything good going in the hopper now? Uh, work-wise or fish-wise? Work-wise. We'll, we'll get the we'll get the uh, the crappy stuff out of the way first. Oh, there's something right there. I don't know if you can hear that. Open the beer. Um, <laughs> we heard we heard the cap r- rattling around. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm actually doing a, a big woodcut, uh, which actually the woodcut is done. We're printing it now, um, which is about. Uh, it's ostensibly about the dams on the Columbia, but it's a uh, picture to scale of the size that some of the Chinook were before they dammed the Columbia. And a, uh, a fisheries biologist gave me the dimensions. Um, and it would have been about an 85 pound Chinook. Um, so I, I came across a carcass of a fish that I would guess was 60 pounds on the Deschutes a couple of years ago. And it was just stunning to see how big it was. And uh, it occurred to me that if if people could see the size of the fish, like the, the fish the size of your kid, that it might make more impact. So um, there's a, a listing of a lot of the dams and the four dams on the snake that we're trying to get removed are above the fish. And then there's a, um, a quote from a poet, Tom Crawford, below it. It says, uh, our, our rivers are paved with the dams of our good intentions. Um, which I think is is kind of right with the with the dams that they were put up with the best of intentions, not 
I think some people knew it was going to destroy the runs, but the general public didn't. I think they believed the PR that hatcheries would take care of it. So that's that's kind of the big thing. It takes three of us to print it. Um, it's pretty fun. The, um, the woman I'm working with to print it is a master printer and has a, a print shop in Portland. And uh, I go in there and she and her assistant and I just grind and we might get 10 in a day. More likely we screw up a couple of them so we get like eight in a day. Um, so where, and, uh, where are you selling those at? Well, right now we're just selling on the website, um, on my website on richardcharrington.com. Um, but we're going to get more stuff up for it as time goes because I'm, I'm trying to do more with it. Uh, I'm trying to do site installations where I could put a whole school of fish up on a wall. Like if you had a big enough wall, I can get permission from someplace to put a school of like eight or 10 or 12 of those up. And, um, Greg Fitz told me he'll, he's an environmental writer with Wild Steelhead Coalition. Um, he told me he'll do a write-up to go with it to kind of educate people on why we could, why the uh, four dams and the snake could be taken out without impacting economics um, or energy. And because uh, I think one of the problems is, you know, fishermen have their causes and they think everybody should care. But like what percentage of the population of fish is like three? Oh, yeah, not, not any uh, negligible amount yeah so you, you can't get any traction in terms of getting a voice so my my thinking is if you get the average tourist stopping by and seeing stuff and you're educating people beyond fishermen we might have a chance of building more support to get the dams removed so we'll see what happens but um if uh on the richard c harrington site there's a store tab and the the prints up there for sale and i'll put i'm selling them 10 at a time as as we get 10 good ones and I'll be putting the next 10 up in the next, within the next week, I think. I still have to trim them down and sign them and stuff, but um, they're printed and dry now. <laughs> so what happens to those mess-ups? Do you have like a, a warehouse full of the mess-ups? Do they go up in your at your house? Yeah, or? They, they go in the burn pile. Okay. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, do they hit the burn barrel? There you go. Yeah. I usually have a burn pile of about, how oh, any given year, anywhere from eight to 12 paintings and uh the paintings burn really cool because the oil colors burn really <laughs> um i peel them off and save the stretcher bars roll the canvas up and because i paint pretty big there's still a fair amount um and uh, so i'll just throw them in with that it's kind of crushing because the, the good printmaking paper is really expensive oh i'm sure it so, is so every like everyone i mess up costs me like 50 bucks mm, that hurts <clears throat> mm-hmm but I'm pretty new to this. I've only done three woodcuts. So, um, you know, to, I'm to be working with a uh, printer of Jane's um, expertise was just phenomenal. Have all the woodcuts you've done been salmon? No, I did a big raven. Um, I did a, a, just a small bird. Oh, I did. A, I've got a bear. We're um, going to print pretty soon, too. It's not it's two by three feet. It's not as big. OK. And um that's kind of your thing. You, you like working big, don't you? Um, I do, but I also miss working small. Um, part of it's the, just the reality of trying to make a living. I mean, if you do a small painting and it sells for a few hundred bucks and the gallery gets half and you had to put the frame on it, are you making your hours you need to? You're making your dollar per hour that you need to versus if you have a really big painting and it sells for a good buck, um, you can afford to, let them have half and cover the shipping to get it to them and still make a few thousand dollars. 
Um, the other thing is, if, if I get to the point where I'm more famous than the small painting sells for a few thousand dollars, <laughs> I, could, I could justify. But the problem is, I miss painting small. There's some, it's a very different, one of the reasons I want to paint big is you can like own the space of somebody's view. Like they stand in front of a painting that's four by six feet and you kind of don't, you, your peripheral vision doesn't really focus on the rest. Um, but the thing you give up, if you have like a little six by eight inch painting in a frame, it's almost like you're looking into a window to someplace else. And I think that's kind of a cool effect. So yeah. I'd like to get back to some of that. Um, it's just the economics of how much time do I have? Um, how much money do I need to make? Blah, blah, blah. The business side. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Um, are you still sketching? Like doing uh, graphic designs for people? Uh, no, I don't really do much design work anymore. Um, I am, uh, I think I'm, I've, I've been sketching out an idea for a book on uh, steelhead fishing. Not a how-to book, just kind of more like why I fish. And that would be uh, paintings and photographs and illustrations. And I might do, I will probably go back and do some illustration work for that. But um, I just, I find I'd work so much better when I don't have a client. I think, I think we talked about this before that um, I'm the second oldest in a big family and my older sister and I were are part of our job. Our duty was to take care of everybody and there are pretty high expectations at home. And as a result, the thing I dislike about myself the most is I'm a pleaser. And when I have a client, I didn't even realize it when I was illustrating, but when I have a client, I'm always concerned they're not going to like what I'm doing. And it, you know, it's, it tighten up, you know, it's like, um, you get your shot at the bow and if you're fishing alone, you're going to cast like lefty cray. And if you're fishing, you know, with your buddies, you're probably not going to cast quite as well. And if you got a guide in the boat, you probably cramp up and throw shit. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, painting I threw, for me is the same way. I throw horrible when, uh, when I'm casting in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I kind of hate it <laughs> when, uh, when I was paddling whitewater, uh, I used to call my camera the swim machine because as soon as I'd pull a camera out of my boat, take pictures, everybody would just get pounded. You know, they'd be, they'd be doing these monster surfs beforehand. And they're like, oh, man, Rick's got the camera out. Next thing you know, they're upside down. And I was as bad as anybody. So we'd take my camera and I'd go and I'd get shit beat out of me, um, which is, you know, boating. That's part of the reason you're there. It was fun. But um, I just, I find I work a lot more fluidly. I, you know, playing baseball and through all the way through high school, I wish I could have played in a game the way I didn't practice. You know, just loose and fun and fluid. And you know, if you drop the ball, you're going to have to take a lap, but you're in such good shape. Who cares? Um, it was just fun. But you get in a game and you're so worried about letting your team down and you tighten up and don't play as well. That's how it so. was in college, pole vaulting. Yeah. Oh, you pole vaulted? Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine's daughter just started doing that. Yeah. Pole vaulters are crazy people. <laughs> yeah. She was a gymnast. And uh, for whatever reason, got out of it but so she's you know she's super comfortable upside down i think she's 14 now and she's already hitting really good numbers that that's when you got to start them you got to start them young get over the mm -hmm. fear of bending the pole that's that's the biggest part is getting that rut or getting the pole to bend yeah and and really committing to it yeah because having that pole bent and you being upside down it's got to feel like you're waiting for a pile driver it does and then it just launches you yeah it's it's a super cool feeling that uh that I don't ever want to feel again. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
see, it's it's funny. I I still have my whitewater boat, but I haven't paddled since I got sick. And uh, I'll be out floating with friends, and we'll go by a, a big wave, and I'm like, oh my god, I want to surf that. Have you found anything? I, have you found anything out west that is comparable to what you used to paddle? Oh, there's this. The west is the wider. I mean, there's great paddling in the east, but there's huge whitewater in the west. We, in fact, twice when we I lived in western New York, we drove out to Idaho to boat for a week. Really? Um, yeah. And you haven't yeah, done we, it since? Well, not not since I got sick. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, business got really tough when I was sick, and uh, um, I just didn't have the time. Um, so it's, and, you know, at 63, I keep thinking, I should probably get rid of the boat and just get rid of the temptation. But I can't quite do it yet. Oh, don't do it, Rick. Well, I mean, I got two fake knees now. There's... I don't know. I don't worry. I still do boneheaded stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, before you get off of uh, sketching, you send out uh-huh. a, you send out a little booklet every year to to some uh-huh. friends, and uh, I didn't even show Jay, but there is a little sketch. Yeah, that, whatever you do, don't show him. Don't show him. <laughs> there, there's a little sketch in there that uh, it, it's very familiar of a barn that I know. Well, yeah, it should be. Yeah. Of course, of course, it wasn't until I pointed it out to you. No, it wasn't. But I, I looked at it. and I was like, "That's pretty cool." And then, then I I messaged you, tell you thank you, and you said, "Look at page five. and uh, it's he did a sketch of the barn across the street. Oh wow, nice. A lot, it's, a lot of good, funny, a lot of good times in that uh, barn. Oh my. Yeah. Well, it's actually uh, I don't know if it's the same, same good times that I had in the barn, but um, all my aunts and uncles were cattle ranchers in in Eastern Oregon. And as a kid, we used to uh, hang out in the barn. And um, I just, they're just such a cool structure. And uh, when I started painting and quit illustrating, I was just looking for something besides landscape because you're sitting there at an art festival trying to make a living. And, you know, people go by your little landscape and they don't look. I'm like, well, I need something else. And decided to, uh, I didn't, my mom always said, you know, if you put a little red barn in that field, that painting would sell better. And be like, oh, mom, I don't want to paint that painting. But I started thinking if I could figure out a way to paint barns that were like more monumental, um, that it would just be something. And there, it, there's, I can play with a lot of things I like about painting abstract expressionism um, in a big flat surfaces of color. Um, so I kind of break them down into big shadow shapes. But it's funny. I have people all the time say, well, where do you see all these barns? I'm like, do you look out the window when you're driving? I mean, there's barns everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seeing it in the background of your pictures is not that much different than me seeing one as I'm driving down the road and doing a draw, a quick drawing of it the next time I stop. Um, and then I do a painting from that. Because my the, the stuff that I paint from are pretty – like those uh, – I think I sent you uh, a picture of one of the paintings I did from that drawing. Yeah, I just showed it to Jay and his cousin. They're sitting here. Yeah, and it's it's so it's you know the drawing is gives me the structural basis of the painting, but I kind of just paint it how I want to paint it. Yeah, you know, it more comes down to to time of day and and light and stuff. So to me, seeing it in the background of your pictures, I was thinking that's a cool shape. I can make something out of that. And then I thought I gotta put it in the book because it'll be fun to tease chat about. <laughs> it, it was, and you definitely got me. <laughs> but like you no. said no one will know where uh, west middlesex is to go reference uh your barn versus this barn oh that's okay 
Um, the other, the other one in there that's funny is the center spread of the guy fishing. Yeah. Um, that's down on the rogue and I'm still waiting. I've had, uh, half a dozen people ask me where it is. And I said, no, you know, it's fishing spot. I'm not going to say, um, <laughs> but the thing I'm waiting for the guy that is the guy in the picture I was fishing with down there this fall. And I'm still waiting to see if he realizes it's, it was when we were fishing together. <laughs> That, there's there's a part of me that I was thinking about giving him the drawing, and I was like, only if he recognizes it. <laughs> so <clears throat> there's no way he'll hear this show. So he will probably not. He's even older than me. <laughs> so you took a few seconds out of your own, you know, your fishing, and just drew up a quick sketch while you're out there, and yeah, but that but that's not the drawing. It's in the book. That's a little more of a finished sketch. I I did a sketch while I was there, um, but like like I said, the sketches that I largely work from are most of them are more crude than was what in that book was in that book just to me um i need a sketch like a landscape i need more of a sketch from because i don't want to do just generic landscapes and i paint a, a, a landscape it's very specifically a place and part of the idea behind that is um saying i think this place is special um i mean it's i'm a pissed off environmentalist who paints um <laughs> But but barns are more almost more abstract. Or if I put up something, I can put half a dozen marks on paper that a lot of people looking at it would think a child drew a house, and I'll remember what the barn was, and I can I can paint from that. Huh. This is going to be a left field question, but when you were in high school, when you were in high school, could you just like make mental? Mental notes like like those little marks that you're making on your paper now. Oh, oh no! Oh my God! When I was in high school, my drawings took like sixty hours. <laughs> they were the most meticulous. I used to draw animals. I drew every piece of fur, every eyelash, every. And uh, I had a professor in college that finally broke me of it. Um, and I, I he broke me of it, and it was like three semesters later before I realized what I'd learned from him. Um, but I'm, what I'm interested in is big, I've always, uh, I just love to draw. I think it's kind of how I learn the world. Um, I have a, a client who's, uh, this is so weird for me to have a friend who's a brain surgeon and I wouldn't be, <laughs> except that he's a client and we were having dinner one night and he said, do you mind if I interrupt? I said, no. And he kind of was, he said, yeah, I knew you would. I said, he said, I want to make an observation. I said, yeah, okay. He said, well, it's personal. It's about you. I'm like, that's okay. I mean, what are you going to say? And he said, well, you know, keep in mind what I do for a living, but you're the most right brain person I've ever experienced. And I said, well, you know, Doc, I know what that means because I did a paper on it in psychology in college, but it's where I live. I don't really know the difference. And uh, he said, yeah, I know. It's just got to make life kind of hard. And I said, <laughs> not, not if I don't know it. <laughs> That's all but, you know. Yeah, but I, but I think it's, it's why I can't organize anything. I mean, me packing my truck and my trailer to go on the road is about the only effective organization I can do. I'm just, I, I, I can't keep anything straight. Um, which is really funny for my high school guidance counselor trying to convince me to be an accountant. Um, <laughs> that's the book. This, this time of year, bookkeeping season is, is my nightmare every year. But um, so, no, I've always, uh, I've drawn since I was a little kid. My mom always laughed that I was really easy to, um, to take care of because I always kept myself busy, which is funny because I remember one of my first memories is 
telling her one day I was bored and she looked at me and said, well, that's your fault. And I can still remember going, oh, okay. And I've been kind of busy ever since. I told my dad I was bored one time and he spanked me and said, there's so much around here to do. Never say you're bored. I, I like my mom's approach better. <laughs> yeah, I think they both got the, uh, the message across, though. Yeah, that's true. So, and like I said, that's the only time I was ever spanked. Just for saying I was bored. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you had a pretty foul mouth as a kid, Chad. I did. Oh, well, as long as we're on that topic. <laughs> I'm, I'm, one of, I'm one of seven. And uh, my mom used to ring a uh, old school bell and we had to come home for lunch and my dad always came home for lunch and uh, my little brother was hysterically funny to everyone in the family but he loved to target me and I could never think of anything to say back so I'd been playing this new game with my the two kids who lived up the block from me Bob and Tom Lawrence which was Bob and I wearing winter coats and Tom chasing us around with a BB gun and uh kids playing that game you realize i expanded my vocabulary and so my little brother's picking on me at lunch and uh i gave him the sign that i thought meant shut up and i flipped i flipped him off and uh next thing you know i'm traveling to the living room by my shirt collar and my dad is just ready so pissed off and i actually talked my way out of it i explained i didn't know what it meant and he was furious but he let me go because anytime we were wrong in front of our mom. My dad would be really hot. Yeah. So that was a Tuesday, Friday, same week. I decided to play it safe. The same thing's going on. And my little brother's mocking the crap out of me. And I said, shut up, you little cocksucker. <laughs> dad, I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't get out of it. <laughs> I got a bit of a licking for that one. Oh my goodness! Well, hey, let let's use this as a little segue. <laughs> so I just bought spit beer. Good. So you you just told that story like we were there. Um, recently, you're sixty episodes, sixty four episodes deep in uh, the River Rambler. What a uh, what? Yeah, was, I'm, I'm never gonna catch up with you guys. No, because we're gonna be at three hundred next week. I know. That's just craziness. It is. It it's total lunacy, and we're still like we still do show prep on the air. You'd think we'd learn by yeah. now. <laughs> I think we'd have brought well, something like we down this week. We don't feel like we know. What we're oh, we talked about that before. Yeah. We don't yeah. really feel like we know what we're doing. No, like like I told you, I feel more comfortable that I don't know what I'm doing, but I still have no idea what's going on. My show prep yeah. includes bringing a six pack of beer. And maybe something for a gentleman's break. And that's it. There's show prep. I came prepared, well, so Chad. That to me is that's kind of critical prep. Yeah. Are you guys drinking good beer or are you drinking you know I'm drinking like yingling. No, I'm bring uh, Yingling. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey. So I, oh. I told a story right before we called you. Last week I'm doing dry January. So last uh-huh. last week I I was like, Ashley, <laughs> please drink a beer and tell me how good it tastes. I I, I miss drinking beers. She's like, okay. I was like, but it has to be a Miller High Life because I, I just miss it. She's like, I am not letting one of those cross my lips. Oh, good for her. <laughs> oh my. You could have given that to your little guy. He he has a finer taste than myself. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking this evening, Rick? 
uh, uh, Deschutes Inversion, which is kind of my regular beer. Um, but later, I got Pizza Crust Rising. Later, I'm having a uh, Noble Stout, which is just a. It's from a, um, from Berlick Brewing in, in Portland. Just I just found it last spring, and uh, just a killer stout. You're kind of in the mecca for craft brewing out there. I, yeah, and at the same time, there's so many good breweries everywhere now. Right. I have a, uh, an old friend up in Rochester who uh, his beer, his business is, um, he's a marketing guy, and he specializes in microbrews. And he's got clients, that, and most of his client base is microbrews now. Really? Yeah, I mean, he's he's outside of, he travels way outside of, of Rochester, but yeah. Um, he likes beer so much, he thought, oh, what the hell, these guys can use help, and started specializing, and uh, he's got no shortage of clients. Speaking of Rochester, so, speaking of Rochester, you're not going to believe this, but I had one of the best Oktoberfests this year from Genesee. Oh, good. Yep. Yeah, they went uh, employee-owned, like, I don't remember how long ago, 10 or 12 years ago, and I think uh, they started pushing more towards um, specialized beers and stuff. Yeah, it- and for Way better. It, it was really good. Although I, I still think a Jenny Light matches like a PBR. Both of which I'll I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, part of the thing for me is, you know, you get older and your metabolism becomes that of a tortoise, and you realize every single thing you put in your mouth is a calorie. Yeah, it makes so your ass you, jiggle for a week. Yeah, and you want to make sure you enjoy them. If you're going to have to work them off, you better enjoy them. So, uh, Chad needs to learn that one. I know. When, <laughs> when I met He's you, trying, man, January. When I met you, you weren't drinking. How long? How long did you go without drinking? But uh, two and a half years. That was because uh, when I got diagnosed with throat cancer, the first thing he tells you, you got to stop the five C's. So cigarettes, I never smoked. Um, citrus, which I like citrus, but you know that was like so. Um, cocktails. I love bourbon, mm. carbonation. I love beer mm. and caffeine. I love coffee. So I could have water and herbal tea. And, uh, that was torturous. That's no way to live. Uh, well, the, well, when you're, when you're faced with, well, you can keep doing that stuff and die or you can do this and live. It's a, it's an okay way to live. Yeah. I guess you're right. If you put it that way. But it, um, thing is they couldn't figure out why. Cause I was just ridiculously healthy when I got cancer and uh, when I got uh, came through the second PET scan clean at two years, about four months later, uh, I had him scoped further down my throat because he thought um, if I'd gotten it from acid reflux, that would be an explanation of why, you know, something in my diet was bothering me. And he scoped, instead of just down to the cancer, he scoped all the way to my stomach and back. And he said, you're clean as a whistle. And I said, so there's really no reason to think that my diet had anything to do with cancer. And he said, no. And I said, awesome. You know what that means? He said, I don't know. I said, that's <laughs> right, baby. Beer's back on the menu. And then coffee. And then, because I, I like coffee even more than beer. Yeah. And not for the buzz, for the flavor. I just love the flavor of coffee. Yep, um, I hear you. I, I used to work at a coffee shop. So I, oh, okay. I know all the, uh, so the, the ins and outs. So um, the one um, thing I would give a caution on after two and a half years of not drinking, uh, the first beer I had was a. Uh, a stone arrogant bastard IPA. Way to go it aggressive. Might a, it might be a double IPA. And it was so good I had two. 
and I was hammered. <laughs> I, was, I was hammered like your son would be on two of those. Oh, my God. I was in a restaurant in Rochester, the Owl House, and it's an old house with a really narrow uh, stairway to the second floor. And I almost fell down the stairs. Oh, my God. It was so good. That's awesome. But the, the bad thing is that the being a cheap date, doesn't it doesn't last very long. No, but uh, I I think probably going through cancer and all that crap, I'm probably more of a grown-up than I used to be. So I'm usually good at two beers. Yeah. Usually. We're, That's the nice thing about steelhead fishing is you're out hiking up and down the river. I can drink more beer. That's what we found rowing boat. Yeah. Yeah, you're moving all day. So let's do another segue into uh, – I guess we didn't really talk about the River Rambler at all. Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what what is your uh, your platform for uh, for the show? Are you inter- interview based? What storytelling? What what do you do mainly? Uh, I mostly try not to talk too much because I think you know me well enough to know that if you you know if you give me a I'm like a string pull toy that if you pull the string too far I'll just talk the whole time. Um, <laughs> So I realized early on that I, I needed to try to curtail. The other problem you run into if you talk too much, I mean, how many stories does any one of us have? There's, I've probably told the same story like 25 times in 64 episodes. I, um, I know. So I don't I have try, 300 stories to tell, you know? Well, 300 is quite a bit, yeah. It's, I mean, I kind of think, really, I can't remember. I think in fiction they say there's like three stories, and they're just variations of the same thing. And I sort of feel like in fishing, what's there probably like 10 or 15. And just because you did them doesn't mean they're more unique than anybody else's. To me, the fun, most fun things to talk about are when you really screw up. But the the basis of the show really is um, how do people start steelhead fishing and how do they start spay fishing? And the real reason behind that is that's what I'm interested in doing. So I don't really talk about very much else. Um, so you know, I'll just ask people, tell me how they got started fishing. And there's usually a fun story in there. Do you single hand cast at all anymore? Oh yeah, um, I I I love to fly cast. That's part of what I realized a long time ago is if I wasn't fly fishing, I wouldn't fish because I I don't care that much about catching fish. But um, I quit single hand because it kept screwing up my spay cast. But when I finally got to the point where I could use my bottom hand the way you need to um, and keep my top hand still. And then I got back. I actually found I made me a better single hand caster. Um, I probably prefer two hand casting. Um, and it's probably goes back to why I like playing baseball more than football. You know, some some weird preference, but um, I still love single hand cast. See, I I enjoy double hand casting. I hadn't done it in three years, probably until I heard your episode with uh, Kevin Hostbotter. And I was mm-hmm. like, I got to dig that rod back out. And God, the, the shit you forget in three years. Oh, my God. Well, I think when I said I quit single hand until I got it, it took me seven years to quit using my top hand. So, like, the um, the biggest largemouth I ever caught on a top water bug, I was in Texas fishing a 11-foot, 4-inch, 4-weight spay rod with a bass bug because I wouldn't let myself single hand cast. Um, so the idea that you put away for three years and you're going cast, I would suck. Yeah. In fact, um, 
I had my knee replaced last spring, and so I didn't get to fish all summer. And when I finally got out in the fall, I sucked. It took me a, a, a full day to get my, you know, put the anchor where I want it, make sure my bottom hand's cast and not my top hand. And, um, it's hard to bounce back and forth. And your your version of sucking is probably totally totally different than Jay and mine's version of sucking two-handed casting. <laughs> oh, you, you know, I can suck as much as anybody. It's, I just, uh, it's, it's really honestly one of my favorite things to do. I just love uh, spay casting. There's some about it that, um, what I, the reason I mostly steelhead fish is, uh, I think if you put me wading a river, I'm immediately happy. Um, and I think spay casting because you're using the anchor of the water, um, and you have to be aware of setting your anchor and the pull of your anchor when you're casting and stuff. Um, I think it just gives me more of what I want from it, which is just, I feel super peaceful. I think it probably relates back to. Uh, my friend Zach telling me I was the most right brain person he ever met. I'm I'm pretty ADD, but if you put me outside and you put me in a river, that all goes really quiet, and I'm I'm really peaceful and content. It just focuses in. Yeah, I th- I think it gives me enough outside stimulus. Like most people I know hate it when it's windy, and I kind of enjoy it when it's windy. <laughs> you know, I... It's just a, it's just more stimulus, another challenge, another layer of. Um, I was fishing over the Grand Ron a few years ago, and it's, there was a section that's really uh, kind of slimy, mossy on small cobble. And it was blowing so hard that it actually was standing still in about not quite knee-deep water. It blew me downstream like eight feet. Just my feet just slid over the rocks. <laughs> but, I, but I didn't quit fishing. I just figured out how to cast in that. It was fun. That's some of the windiest shit we've ever had out fishing in uh we've been out musky fishing and that's that's challenging throwing big bugs like that oh yeah because that bug's gonna blow all over the place yeah um i'll tell you what that's that's gotta be spooky having somebody else in the boat with you so mark and myself we fish together quite a bit with uh wind like that and it's it's kind of like being married to someone you get to know their their motions and their casts and you trust them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's it's good having a good fishing partner oh yeah so well and i think i think it's that um one of one of my favorite things to do when i was running whitewaters uh tandem canoe and when you're paddling with somebody who really knows what they're doing and they are comfortable knowing you do too that's the best team sport i ever played um because the the person in the bow can't even see the person in the back um yeah, but if they know what they're doing, they're making the right strokes. And it's super fun. And I would think, um, especially musky fishing, controlling your boat. And I mean, you're not dealing with big, big moving water that much, but um, keeping the boat in position, especially with wind, uh, keeping people out of the way that the hook or two or three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what's, what, don't you have a switch rod for your spay rod? Uh, my switch rod broke three times. I kept sending it back, so I, I finally told whatever it says, like, downgrade me to the clear water, and I, I ended up getting a 12-and-a-half-foot six-weight. Oh, okay. That's, that's actually a great, great rod for back there. But, um, yeah. no, I was, wondering if you, I was wondering if you tried two-hand musky fishing there. No, I have not. Um, Mark has a nine-foot nine two-handed rod, um, but he's running, he's running, like, 700-grain sink line, and it's yeah. just for, like, water loading. And it's, it's a, it's an impressive piece that I am not skilled in 
casting. <laughs> which, which is that one of those Chippewa rods? He has the Limit Creek M2. Oh, I don't even know. I don't know that company. Um, they um, they were big on the scene like three years ago, and they're still making rods, but just they their presence isn't what it used to be. Huh. Um, I've got a Miser 909 that I'm dying to try. Um, nine foot nine. Yeah. It throws, it throws about a four fifty. Um, so it'd be on the light end for musky. But, so is that, um, is that like considered a 10 weight in the single hand world? I don't know. A single hand four fifty is like a 12 weight, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. I just bought a 12 weight musky line. It was four fifty. Yeah. So I, but I don't, it's actually funny. One of the things that Spade does to you is like when somebody says it's a seven weight, I'm like, I don't care. How many grains does it throw? <laughs> Yeah. What line am I going to like loading that rod? And being the uh, being the snob that you are, are you you throwing skagit lines and stuff? Or are you you long line? Oh, um, oh, I like everything. You like it all? Um, yeah, it, it depends on the rod. Um, like my bamboo rod for the summer is eleven seven. <laughs> it actually eleven. Mine's eleven nine. Um, I throw a compact scandy on that, so it's like a thirty four foot line. Um, I've got a 14 foot miser. I go back and forth between occasionally a Scandi, but what I'm playing with more is either a 45 foot head or a 52 foot head, um, which are still by space standards are still on the short side of long lining. And then, uh, winter comes around and I'm like, Oh, I got to start fishing a schedule. Uh, and as soon as I get a schedule right out, I'm happy as a clam. I love throwing tips. <laughs> They're fun as shit, yeah. man. Yeah, I love um, I love the and I've actually um, Tim Arsenault up in uh, British Columbia has started making uh, lines. They're bridge lines, and they're a little different. He has a line for throwing tips that's uh, kind of a refined Skagit or a super heavy Scandi. And it's about thirty feet, so you put like a twelve foot tip on it. You got a forty two foot uh, sink tip line. Um, you know, another like three or four feet of tip. It you're like like at 45 feet out before you shoot any line. Um, and it's also uh, just a very elegant, for throwing a sink tip, it's a very elegant line. Um, and that's that's part of the thing, too, is you get to the point where, you know, somebody says, that was a nice catch. You're like, yeah, the loop was kind of sloppy. <laughs> I, I want to throw a dart. <laughs> you get to be a loop snob. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I could it could have been a little cleaner on the pickup. Yeah, whatever. So it's all fun. That's to me is the thing is, are you having fun? But who cares? Mm-hmm. So getting back to being fun and and the River Rambler. Some of my favorite episodes to listen to were when you had your friends on, like um when Adrian was on or uh, oh God, uh, the guy that made the little Wang. Didn't you have him on? Oh, Todd, yeah, Todd Hirano. Yeah, Todd. Yeah. The, when and uh, my my buddies Coop and Magic when they were on, it was just. I felt like we were just telling inside jokes the whole time. <laughs> but that, that's some of the best stuff to listen to. It is. I feel like when a really? listener, I feel like when a listener, even when I listen to talk radio and such, if you've listened to them long enough and you can, you're in on all the like inside jokes and you feel like you're part of the group, you know, you feel like you're sitting there with the guys or you're sitting there with the person you're listening to. That's really funny because the thing I'm always worried about is like making people feel left out. No, nah, people just want to eavesdrop and you having a conversation. Huh. It's um, my son. Uh, one of his favorite podcasts is my brother, my brother and me. I don't know if you guys ever listen to that. No. Um, 
I've only listened to a few, but it's hysterically funny. I mean, they're just they're just cut ups. They talk about most ridiculous stuff. But that's that's the kind of thing is he'll he'll you know be working on something with earbuds and chuckling away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yesterday morning I was down time flies before my wife and son woke up and I was listening to Adam Carolla with earbuds on. And I, I noticed myself laughing out loud like three times. I yeah. try not to wake them up. Yeah. Yeah. But so you so said, I don't know. It's, it's, um, I'm trying to think what, um, I have to admit for like the last four months, um, I had a lot of conservation talk on and that made it kind of heavy duty because it's out here. It's steel heading is kind of sad. Um, and we, there's groups that I'm supportive of that are trying to make change. And I was trying to do things that would uh, give people, you know, ammunition mentally to to want to participate and do that. Um, and that's probably made it a little heavier lately. So I need to think about having some more goofy, smart ass shit. On there. Yeah, absolutely. The guys that you like to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's. Um, it's been actually kind of funny, but when I was back in New York, um, when I was illustrating, I just had a ridiculously fun life. I had so much time off and, you know, this is long enough ago that when the internet launched, I went out of business and <laughs> I, I started, I started painting out of desperation just trying to figure out how to make more money. And, uh, I started driving all over the country to go to art festivals. And the problem was that that took up all my, I used to take when I was illustrating, I took like, 12, 14 weeks a year off. And once I started doing art festivals, my time off was like one day in between shows when I was on the road. And uh, I just got to the point where I fished alone most of the time. Um, when I was home and I could uh, get it together, I'd fish with Coop and Magic. But for the most part, I, I, most of my fishing was alone. And I'd get out here and uh, well, my buddy Adrian, uh, I knew him from a... Uh, a uh, chat room for his pay pages and he was doing a fly tying demo because you know he ties without a vice and, yeah that's uh, super impressive when you watch him tie it's like he has fairy dust working or something because you can't quite figure out how those feathers are behaving for him the way they do um but i just went to to because we visited online some and i um i went to say hi and he said man i thought you lived in new york and i said well I, I did until like three months ago and he said man you don't know where to fish I said, I don't. Said, Maybe Tuesday, I'll show you. And uh, we started fishing together, and we had a blast. Um, and it's it just has kind of led to a um, couple guys that work at the local shop I've gotten to be really good friends with. And, uh, you know, most of the guys I hang out with fishing out here are more, more your guys' age than mine. But um, they, they're very patient with me. They let me try to keep up. <laughs> I see you've uh, you found a couple rides and boats recently too. Oh yeah, well, um, you know, yard sale is from, yeah. from the Drake. Um, he's one. Of, he's actually I met him even before I moved out here, um, and he's he's just an awesome guy. And we have a blast fishing together. And he always invites me on a few floats. And then uh, I have uh, uh, my buddy Rob Perkin. Um, he actually built a dory. You guys would love it. He launched the dory through the surf. And then motor out and fish. And so far this year, I've fished uh, for salmon and rockfish with him. And then one day we went out for tuna. And on the tuna day, uh, 
he and my buddy Josh Lynn and I all went out together. And we went out almost 40 miles in an open dory. And uh, we finally found fish back in around 19 miles out. And we only got a couple that day. They were just hard to find. And uh, we were so toasted when we got back in. He, he, he was on your podcast, correct? Yeah. I, yeah. Remember hearing I, him talk, I remember hearing him talk about that dory and launching it yeah, through the surf. It, it's super cool. Um, the fishing is fun, but I actually think... Um, I showed up with waiters the first day uh, on the off chance that I get to help launch, and I I did get to. Um, and the part I'm helping with is you know is the brainless part. Um, but yet they actually back up really fast and then use the stop and the momentum to let the boat slide off the trailer. Then they pull the boat up and come back around. So I'm the guy that was holding the boat once it was in the water and then spun it. Well, he's walking back down. I spin the boat around. Um, you know, and it's, if it's a big surf, you can't go out, but you got like two and a half foot waves pushing you with when you're holding the boat and uh, it's a 24 foot boat. So it's, it's just fun. It's just burly. That that's super impressive that you're going out 40 miles in a homemade boat. Oh, it's when you see this boat, you're you're like, okay, 40 miles is a long way, but it's, it's an amazing boat. He did a spectacular job. Man, you gotta Um, gotta trust your friends a lot. What's that? I said you got to trust your friends a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, because especially um, one of the off, uh, offshoots of me getting sick is, for some reason, I don't navigate for beans anymore. I used to be one of those people that I could just walk into the woods, and six hours later, I walked back out of my truck, and I never even thought about it. And uh, so I, I used to be pretty good with a map and compass on a canoe trip, um, but I don't remember how to do that anymore, and I don't trust myself wandering anymore so to go out on the open ocean is i'm like okay rob you're my guy yep (laughs) all your trust is in him speaking of that he's kind of like like my oncologist you know okay doc (laughs) save me yep (laughs) just i'll do as you say so you you take your dog for a walk in the woods all the time yeah every day are you going to the same plot of woods are you going to, to different local public lands what uh, I should be doing that, but no, I'm doing the former. We live um, in this weird little pocket uh, in a little ranch house in uh, a neighborhood that was a little <laughs> neighborhood. It's three cul-de-sacs, so I don't even know, but there's probably like, I don't know, there's probably like 40 homes here, and we're in the middle of a Douglas fir grove. Um, and there's a loop around the development, and then the part I like is trespassing on another piece of property that I saw, I saw that you know that was what I did in South Line was trespassed constantly so I'm quite at home doing it um, but it uh, that part is actually a, a uncut Christmas tree farm from like 35 years ago so that doesn't have the big Doug Furs that we like we have Doug Furs in our we have a little tiny yard and we probably have eight or nine Doug Furs that are 24 to 30 inch diameter Hey, that keeps the grass uh, from growing, right? Exactly. I don't. I don't have a lawn to mow. I have to go out and do yard cleanup about oh every six weeks. And uh, last winter we had an ice storm that was pretty spooky. A few homes had limbs go right through the roof. Oh, because uh, the dug the dug furs are interesting. They're actually, I guess, uh, designed by nature to shed limbs. So the lower limbs, when they get iced up, because you know the lower limbs are reaching out for sun. But then they get the big ice load and they just snap off. They shear off. And a big limb might weigh 200 pounds. Hmm. So then all of a sudden, if it's, you know, 
50 feet up, the bow end is going to act like flights on an arrow and the end near the trunk swings faster and all of a sudden you have a big dart. Yeah, just so, spearing through your bedroom roof. Yeah, fortunately, the ones that came down in our yard uh, just landed in the yard, but there was one home that had like six all the way through the roof. Jeez. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Uh, we had we had like five days where we couldn't really go out, take the dogs out to pee, and then back in the house because it wasn't safe to be out there until the ice thawed. Man, you're getting all around because didn't last year you have a uh, wildfires around? Yeah, year before we. Uh, year before. That's actually my buddy Rob. That's the that built the boat. Um, we were fishing buddies before that, but when we evacuated, we stayed with Ian Aaron, which was one of the most generous things that's ever been done for me. Um, Todd and I evacuated out of the house and. I got a text. He said, where are you going? And I said, uh, maybe, maybe Matt's, maybe my cousin's over in Wallawa. And he said, come stay with us. And I'm like, Rob, it's not just me. It's me and Todd and 200 pounds worth of dog. Cause you know, we, we had, uh, Luna and Yuli both. We lost Yuli last year. Yeah. I'm sorry like, to hear that. Uh, oh, he was a good boy, Yeah, but he was 120 pounds. So we show up and they have this pristine house and a chihuahua, <laughs> and, you know, I, I've got the white devil and the big nugget and Todd and I both. And that's what, that's when Rob ruined me too. Cause like three days in, we're sitting there on Sunday and Rob's Rob's on his computer kind of working away and we got a movie on. And he says, so I know you guys are evacuated and it's COVID and it's weird, but uh, I want to go salmon fishing. <laughs> and I said, uh, um, uh, and I looked over and Todd says, Todd could care less about fishing. He goes, no, I'm not going. And Aaron says, I'm not going. We'll watch movies. So I said, you guys cool if we go? And I said, yeah. So we went and uh, I've, I've caught several Chinook out of the Great Lakes. I've never caught a Chinook fresh out of the ocean. Well, actually, I still haven't. But I hooked up to one. <laughs> and uh, that's the only time in 25 years that my knuckles bled from a shot from the reel. Um, came out of the water about four feet. He hit, he hit about 20 feet from the boat, um, came out about four feet out of the water, about 60, 70 feet away, and then broke off on a second jump about so 180 feet away hmm. and was gone. Just totally was, kicked your just, ass. Oh, totally. A 25-pound, like, within a mile of the ocean Chinook. It was just awesome. That's awesome. That that's enough oh, to make was, make us want to get out there. <laughs> the the only fish I've ever hooked that that pulled that hard was I got completely schooled by a couple of big tarpon down in Florida when I used to be down there for art festivals. I'd take a canoe and a kayak. When it was hot, I'd go out fishing, and I was catching lots of small tarpon. You know, like twenty four, thirty inches, and I saw a big ring, uh, and stood up and cast to it. And I was been fishing for snook, and I kept the same bug on. I didn't things change. I just stood up and cast. And on the third cast, a fish took, and bug floated back up. I stripped again. It took. And I stripped hard, and you know I haven't caught fish that big before, but at least five feet of tarpon came out of the water. That had that had to be a ninety to hundred pound fish. Um, and then just destroyed me. Um, as, as I watched my spool get small as it took off. Um, and then it, and then I retied, and another one did it to me. 
the biggest one I've landed was like 42 inches. And these guys made that thing look like a minnow. <laughs> hey, they're the Kings for a reason. Oh my God. If those lived in the Pacific Northwest, that's what I would fish for. Oh yeah. It's just the thing out here is I just love the rivers so much. They're just, it's just a different ecosystem, different topography in the land. Um, all the volcanic rock and stuff that you're floating through. It's just amazing. So here's another weird question for you. Um, I'm ready. Smallies are invasive out there. Yeah, they are. Do you go out chasing smallies at all? Um, I haven't been, but it, that's actually um, just been circumstantial. Uh, last summer with my knee, um, I didn't fish hardly at all. Um, I was hoping to um, float to John Day, uh, mostly because I want to see the Upper Canyon. Uh, but that would be a smallmouth trip. The, the one downside is they're not like Great Lakes smallmouth. You know, John Day, you can go over and catch 50 or 60 smallmouth, but the trophy is going to be 14 inches, okay. probably 12. Um, there are some big ones. Uh, I have a friend over in Idaho that showed me some pictures that makes me want to go fish with him. Um, that's That would actually be probably the thing I'm most interested in fishing for with trying to cut back some on steelhead and just give steelhead a break. Because, you know, I'm so devastatedly effective. I got two steelhead all of last year. So, you know, I'm not the, really the cause of their problems. But um, I'd like to fish for more seamen cutthroat. Okay. Um, cutthroat trout that, that act like a steelhead, they migrate out. They don't go as far out. They tend to stay in estuaries. But you can catch them in rivers in certain times of the year. And uh, I think that'd be really fun to fish for. Because you know, I could swing flies for them just like steelhead on a lighter rod. Um, and I'd like to, I'd like to do more... Um, uh, smallmouth fishing. Um, I haven't decided on the tuna yet that I caught. Uh, we, we guessed it was like a 22 pound fish. That was like catching an anvil. When when you when you hook up to that, and then you land it, you can't believe a fish sh- shaped like that can. I mean, it's staying down like a halibut. Yeah. You just you have your rod bent over and you're doing squats to get that thing up. It was just crazy. <laughs> uh, but the fishing form was fun and hanging out with Rob's a blast. So, you know, I'll do that again sometime. Yeah. Um, Are you still tying flies? I, um, not as much as I'd like to be, but it's because I'm working too much. Yeah. You know, the prob- problem with getting sick in your fifties is, you know, they'll tell you career wise, you know, fifties is when you really, when you really make it happen. And yeah, you fifties, know, I was sitting around in a stupor. So I've kind of had my fifties now and it's taken a lot of work. Um, but I'm, I'm still tying, um, mostly tubes. And then, uh, I've got an idea for all series of steelhead flies that I want to do. Um, I do have all this trout stuff. I keep thinking I should probably just give to somebody. And then friends say, no, you're going to trout fish again. I'm like, am I? I don't know. Probably. Probably. I got a buddy that's trying. It's just not a high list anymore. Um, well, it's kind of like the same thing as, as everything else. I, I got to work too much. So I think, okay, if I'm going to take time off, I'm going to go trout fish. Or am I going to save it for steelhead fishing? I'm going to save it for steelhead fishing. Yeah. You only get so many casts, right? Yeah. When well, you only get so much time off, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, that's the problem with self-employment and working at home, you can always work. So I tend to, I tend to be my father's son and work too much. Yeah. That, that's a hard so, habit to break. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I was doing it great when I was illustrating, and then uh, once all that disappeared and I went to painting, it's been. You know, part of the thing is there's just been too many hurdles that, you know, right as I felt like I had a handle on it, that uh, the financial crisis came 12 years ago. Yeah. 
and that put me right back in the toilet. And then I started climbing out of that. That's when I got sick. So, you know, if I can get 10 years straight where things are going well and keep, keep my anti rotting going, um, <laughs> I'll uh, hopefully be ready to fish my ass off in my 70s. There you go. That's a good life plan. I met a guy uh, last year, I think, um, who's 85. He's a uh, retired software guy, lives in San Francisco. And my buddy James Samsel uh, guides him. And he said, when the guy's back turned, you wouldn't know he's 85. He's out there fishing away he's wading the river without a staff um and i i've been using a staff last few years so i you know you're not taking any against um staffing by me but uh he's nimble and going so i'm hoping to just keep right on going yeah man you're only as old as you feel and you seem to get out and uh <laughs> I, I feel pretty fucking old <laughs> and the, the problem is in my head I'm still like your guy's age, you know, um, I think I'll go do that. And then I take three steps. I'm like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> well, it's also the company you keep. Do you got to keep up with yeah. the young bucks? Well, and that's, that's, uh, is that Yvonne Chenard's thing that, uh, always be the oldest person in the room. I didn't know that was that, him, but I kind of, like that. Yeah. That's kind of the mantra. So, um, and that's, you know, the, the downside of that is I still remember a, a bunch of us sitting around boating and, at the time, I was I was actually probably about years. I was probably 35, 36. We're in a diner in Rochester. And these guys all looked down at me and go, man, you're such a kid. <laughs> and I was like, really? And I looked around like, I am the kid. I'm the kid, damn it. <laughs> and, now I'm the, and now I'm the one looking around going, man, you're such a kid. <laughs> yep. No, but, you're... but no, I, I do think there's a lot to that. that you just, just don't quit. Yep. Yeah. Take all the opportunity you can. Yeah. Yeah. One, um, I've got four grandkids that uh, keep me wanting to do stuff. That's been the hardest part of COVID is not seeing them enough because they're back in New York. Um, Have they? So it's been, I was back. I was back last summer um, for a week at each place. But uh, hopefully this this year I'll be back three times and then uh, get back to four times a year. Absolutely, man. And there, there's something about the uh, the Western what Rochester area that is it's beautiful. Oh, it is. When we first came out here, uh, my wife said, why do you want to move out here? It looks just like Rochester. I said, this isn't the part I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, where we actually, this little funny neighborhood we live in is the part I'm talking about, these big towering trees covered with moss. Um, I was over at the coast this week, and I mean, you just, you feel like you're in Oz or something. It's just, being in the rainforest is just amazing. And then you turn around, and you drive over, fish to the chutes, and you're in the desert. Um and that's two hours either way. Uh, I just <clears throat> fished in the sandy with with uh, yard a couple weeks ago. Um, that's forty five minutes outside of uh, Portland, and you wouldn't know it. You'd think you're on a wilderness float. That's awesome. It's, yeah, it's just crazy. Um, so I don't know. I just keep doing as much as I can, and and my part of the thing too is I like my work so. Not working is kind of hard too. If I don't work after, if, you know, even if I go float for a week or something, by the end of the week, I'm itchy to work again. You're ready to pick up the brushes. Yeah, yeah. So, how about you guys? What do you What have you been doing for fishing this year? This year, nothing. <laughs> well, this year, okay, this year, this last 
calendar. In fact, did you guys get out enough during COVID? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jay, you were off work for six weeks? Yeah, I was off work, so I uh, I did a lot of what fishing by myself, so I did a lot of uh, um, brook trout fishing around here. So uh-huh. Walking up little streams, brook trout fishing, that was a lot of fun to kind of find oh, a that's few my new... Fa- that's my favorite trout fishing. Yeah. Yeah, walking up tiny little streams, and it, it was fun. It is a lot of fun. I kind of got to get into that a little bit and, you know, find that as a nice little hobby as well. And, you know, whatever little thing we like to do or I got away from the musky fishing. I did yeah. go up a couple times with Mark and they get the net of nice 41 inch fish while COVID was going on for Mark out of the lake. Uh, yeah, we've been doing a lot of fishing last year. We got a, a few nice family floats in this past summer. That was a lot Very of fun. Cool. Got our kids out and everybody got their families out all together and, being fun. <laughs> Jay's daughter actually slapped my son in the face with a smallmouth bass. Oh, that's epic. It, it was. I have a picture of it. I might post it this week. <laughs> Did, uh, had he been, is he old enough to be offensive enough to deserve that? Mm, he, he was just being a grouch, that float. And, oh. uh, and Jay's daughter was trying to lighten the mood and slapped him in the face with a fish. <laughs> <laughs> so he fully deserved it that's so funny that's i i think too when you get kids out um was i just talking about this the other day that um i used to take my kids on canoe trips and i think that um the secret of kids outside is uh snack regulation and mm-hmm. oh, my yeah. my rule on canoe trips is we had snacks for every 45 minutes to an hour and i would actually pack you know if we go out for a, a week longer 10-day canoe trip I'd pack the food pack in layers for every day. And every, every morning there would be three layers of snack in between breakfast and lunch and the same thing between lunch and dinner. Um, and that to me, keeping them fed. Cause you know, most kids it's uh, tired, hungry, or have to poop is what makes them grumpy. Man, it sounds like me on a float. You got to, you to pack like that when I'm on a float, you know, that's how they do for me. So I'm not, I'm not grouchy. Actually, I'm not claiming to be that much different myself. Yep. Uh, we pack yeah, toilet man, paper man. in between every third layer of snacks for Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to poop. We got to pull over. Yeah. He goes home one so, sockless a lot. <laughs> so what are you guys uh, floating in? What boats are you using? Uh, I have a, a, a raft, a Smithfly raft. Uh, Mark has a hooligan mm-hmm. and a hard boat. I also have a green little hard boat, and Chad has a... Drift boat. I have the drift boat that uh, Jasper gave away on the drift. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. That's that's kind of my uh, my lust right now is um, I rode uh, Rob's boat before he built the um, the dory. Uh, he built a uh, Rapid Robert, which is a square stern river boat, and then he built this just spectacular drift boat. And uh, I'd rode several drift boats before and been kind of like, yeah. And then I rode his. And because of the design of the boat, it's got a flat section in the center. In the center. It'll really hold the line when you're, when you're ferrying an angle. And uh, it just completely changed my attitude. So Are they I'm wood kinda, boats? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of itchy. to. It's going to be a couple of years yet, but I'd like to build one. Oh, man, that would be a great project. Well, part of my thing too is then I'm like, and what can I run with that? Can I run a class four in that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, but that's a whole other skill set to develop, you know. So, depends on how good you are, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> it, well, the thing is, because of because of kayaking, I can read the water, but I don't understand a boat that big in terms of like the mass and inertia of the boat. Because I've been surprised rowing rafts. Once you get that boat going, you know it doesn't stop right away. No, they do not. <laughs> so it's it's interesting, different uh, skill set to develop. And I was watching some videos of guys running rapids out west. It, they go so fast through the rapids, like we think we're oh, just... we think we're moving, but it, the perspective of being out of the boat and watching them go through rapids, they're just yeah, shit happens fast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, you get on stuff with big gradient, and man, is that moving! Yeah, but that's actually one of the. And I don't know what it'd be like in a in a a big boat in a kayak. You're getting beat up, and you flip. And when you first start, you're like, "Oh my god, I gotta roll up! I'm gonna come and wash into that stuff," and you miss your roll because you're in a panic, and you get your shit together, and you roll again, and you come up, and you're like eight feet downstream. <laughs> yeah, stuff happens quick. So, well, but I mean, instead of your eight feet, instead of like sixty feet. Oh, okay. Um, so, you know, when you're upside down, it's like logarithmic time or something. You're sure it's taken forever, and it's <laughs> and it's really not. <laughs> I think it's trying to control that you know panic in your head. Where um, same thing, you know, in a big boat, if you screw up and you're upside down, well, you're going to be upside down until you get out of the rapids. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you don't get wedged in a rock. Yeah. Have you guys ever read the Emerald Mile? I have not. It's about a speed run um, some guys did through the Grand Canyon in a dory. So it's it's essentially a drift boat with uh, enclosed containers on the inside that keep it from being able to sink. But you can still flip it. And these guys went for a, a speed record when they knew there was going to be a big release. And uh, totally illegal, uh, but a, a great book. And... Uh, the story behind it of the people and the the skill involved in the development of the doors and stuff is a pretty good read. Huh, I'm gonna have to get into that. I just wrote it down. But yeah, I got a twelve foot flat bottom John boat that I've been uh threatening to to deck and do something with. It's been sitting in my shed for two years. So mm-hmm. uh just oh Thursday I ordered new ore mounts for it. And uh I have a two horsepower motor and it's going to, I think it's going to be a small mouth catching machine this year. Oh, I think that with a flat deck up front would yeah. be the ultimate fly, fly fishing craft. It's a 12 foot flat bottom and the front deck is six foot by, I think, 36 wide. Yeah. Have you seen those? Uh, I don't know what they are, but you've seen them on um, flats boats. Those uh, like rubber fingers or silicone fingers they put up to um, control the line, control your stripping line. I was really going to white trash that up and just put zip tie ends up. <laughs> but that would do the same thing. That yeah, would do the same I thing. I think it would do the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. I hadn't thought of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't call that white trash. I would call that um, MacGyvering. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jimmy rigging it. I. Yeah. I kind of want to theme the boat after being white trash up. <laughs> I can, I can also see that because the John boat has that whole vibe to it. it. It does. Oh, sure. I I had another one that I had a giant deck on the front of, and I wanted to put like a little um, a little cup in it so it could double as a cup holder or like a putting green because <laughs> yeah. it was so big. Yeah. That would be pretty funny to be up there putting. Yeah. It's all about the photo ops, man. Got to Got to do it for the gram. 
Oh man, you kids, you kids, these kids. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm totally, totally, totally over it. The Instagram and the Facebook. It it's hard to get I, on to promote the show. Yeah, Facebook. I um, I could care less about. Um, as, other than that's how I. It's mostly keeping up with friends whose kids are my the age of my kids, and their kids are having kids like mine are, and it's like how I stay in touch with them. But um, outside of that, I'm I keep wondering if you know for the other side of me, my painting business. If I can figure out how to make Instagram work, and I'm not convinced I can, because you have to keep changing to keep up with their um, their algorithms, algorithms, and and just you know they're competing with TikTok now, and with the reels, and I'm like I just don't know if I can make myself care enough about making little mini movies. No, and, but I think I have to in order to uh, just stay out in the world, keep my name out there. And it's, but it's, but it's so frustrating because there's 648 other things I'd rather do. Oh yeah. <laughs> just about everything else I'd rather do. Yeah. Mostly like just going out with my dog. You know, I, uh, that's, I've actually been thinking about uh, doing a whole thing. just about her. <laughs> like a paint series on your dog. No, no. It's just guy walking my dog. Well, you this, kind of, this guy walking his dog. You kind of already oh, do that. Paints. Yeah, I just need to do more reels instead of post, instead of picture posts. Because um, for an old lady, she's uh, still pretty freaking entertaining. How old is she? She's nine. Oh, she's still got a couple good years left kicking around. Oh, I'm hoping she's got five or six. She's uh, yeah. or seven or eight. She's hmm. um, she's missing the big guy, uh, which I may be ready to get another one. I'm not sure. I really miss that dog. Oh, um, can I give you a word of advice? What's that? It, if she's nine, it's probably been a while since you've been in puppy phase. Oh, I know. Do I get a puppy or do I get a two-year-old dog? Get a two-year-old dog. Oh my God! Please, Ray. I know. I know. <laughs> We've we. It's been a long time since we had puppies. We got Yuli when he was a little over one, so he was a puppy still, but he was 120 pounds. Um, but yeah, I haven't had a chewy needles. Tooth dog, and all <laughs> dog. Oh, my and dog. I, um, the thing is, the, the, the dog that I had a dog, uh, probably actually when I first met you, she Finn was still alive, yeah. And she showed up on our porch when she was like six pounds, and she grew to be 90 pounds of just amazingness. <laughs> um, and I was so close with her, and I'm and I'm close with Luna. But it's not the same way, and I don't know if it was it was age and imprinting or not. You know, I don't know if you can get the same bond with the dog. Uh, we we got a Shih Tzu when he was we don't know because he was just a, a lost dog, and he was probably two, and he imprinted with my wife hard. Yeah, yeah. But that isn't that kind of like your gerbil imprinting with your wife. Yeah, you know what? A Shih Tzu. I, I never gerbil size, aren't they? I never liked little dogs until I got this dog. I give everybody shit about little dogs, but my, my buddy Rob and Aaron, their chihuahua, is uh-huh. an awesome little dude. He's a great little dog. Yeah. Um, so I always, I, I kind of think of Luna as my minimum sized dog, but there's very few dogs I don't like. If I don't like a dog, it's because their owner's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah just... I, 
Ours is four, and he's just now starting to become a, a, what I like is to think of a good dog. Like, he's not too crazy. He's kind of starting to settle a little more. He's still nuts, but, you know, a lab, bigger dog. But, yeah, it takes yeah. a little while to get out of that, you know, even out of that puppy stage. Chad said, you know, th- two years, three years. And I'm like, oh, man, it seems like a forever. Now he's four, you know what I mean? It's like finally starting to be, oh. like, just about right. Uh, bad, bad news is um, my dog Finn, the one that I will – miss forever wow well, i miss all my dogs forever but um she didn't slow down until she was nine but the thing that saved us on her was um she just didn't have a stinky bone in her that was the most loving creature i've ever come across um and the other thing that saved me for anything that actually ruined me is that i'd spent five years training the dog we had before which is a lab hound mix super hard-headed and super nose oriented to get her to heal took five years and uh, like two months later, Finn showed up and Finn was so happy to be part of something and safe. She, you could see her just go, I'll do whatever she does. And she trained herself. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't, do, I didn't do anything. And she's the best trained dog I will ever have because I didn't have any part of it. She just learned what had already been done. That's um, but it, it would be fun to have. I could probably have that with uh, Luna except for two things. One is my voice. I can't be loud enough anymore. Um, to, you know, if she's in the woods 50 feet away, she probably can't hear me. And the other thing is she loses her mind when she sees deer. Does she? Oh, my God. He, I have, uh, what, a, a howling banshee on my hands. <laughs> she, she actually she gets up on her back legs and walks like a human and um, to keep them in sight. And she'll just look over her shoulder at me and say, just let me go, let me go. I'll kill them all. <laughs> she, she's an absolute horror when there's a deer so do you walk her on a leash when you're in the woods yeah, sure. yeah because we're in the neighborhood she's the only dog I've ever had I have to have on a leash Okay. Every, everybody else like, I had off leash even when I had Finn and Molly um, and I had a studio in the city I never had him on a leash I'd let him you know, roam and then when there was traffic or people I'd just give him a cluck and they'd come over and heal for me and, um, which was awesome because when you're in a city and you have dogs on a leash you might as well have sharks with you Yep. People just people just get away from you. That's I I have a puppy now and I do the same thing as you. I go back we have a, a three mile square that our our block is and it's uh-huh. it's wooded in the middle. So I take the dog for a walk just about eh, three times a week. And no uh-huh. no leash. And he's just too young and dumb to care about deer yet. Yeah. Well and I think um Luna was astray down in Tennessee and I think uh she was you know foraging so she's uh when we're in South Lima I have all kinds of pictures of her like three feet in the air like the way a coyote or a fox jumps on voles and mice in the snow oh, okay. she, she's completely ineffective doing it but she would do it at every sound she heard in the snow <laughs> she would just launch in and land on her nose um but I think that's probably where the the prey drive comes from is finding her own, her own food um, the other thing is like, I think, uh, like Yuli was, um, Rottweiler and Mastiff, what's well, a protection dog. They're, they're not looking to run off. They're just going out to look to patrol their territory and come home. So he might, he might've gone off further than I wanted him to, but he wasn't running away. Yeah. Where, uh, Molly, the one used to run off all the time was a hound. She'd get her nose on the ground. She just wanted to go. So I think it kind of depends on, you know, if you have a, a herding breed, they're coming back. They're going to go round things up and bring them back where we think, uh, we think Luna is lab and Sheena 
Geneva. Okay. Is that right there. Um, that's where we think the stand up and walk comes from. Huh. And uh, that's still, you know, it's a husky related dog. Yeah. They run, they just go. So I think, you know, it's kind of like a, a lab tends to want to please you and be, you know, make you happy and bring shit back to you. So I think they are more inclined to stay with you. Oh, a seven month old lab brings everything. It puts everything in his mouth. <laughs> everything. I, think... I, I have to admit, one dog that I, I just can't figure out why people who aren't hunters get are German short hairs. I know and they need so much attention and go. so much energy. When they just go. Mm-hmm. They're just gone. I just know so many people have those dogs and they're they're picking out their dog up from the pound every time we turn around. <laughs> <laughs> but if you know if you do work them and uh, train them good, they are great dogs. Oh, I think so too. Um, like like I said, if if I meet a dog I don't like, it's because the person it's the person I don't like. <laughs> my no, my favorite hunting was always the basset hound. They don't run far. They're too big. Too lazy. He used to stick around. It's, it's <laughs> funny. Um, the woman next door to us fostered dogs, and she was out there with a the puppy the other day holding it. And I was immediately kind of smitten, and I said, you know, who's that? So next thing you know, I'm holding the dog, and I liked it so much, I called my son out. He came out, and he was holding the dog. And then I saw him walking the dog a few days later, and it's got uh, legs like Vienna sausages. <laughs> and I realized that it's because its mom is part Malinois. It's a Malinois pit bull cross which I thought pretty was pretty intriguing because um, I really like Malinois, but I think they're too intense for me. So I thought if it was Malin out with some pit bull, I might like it. <laughs> but, uh, Just what you need. I saw, the, I saw the coloration of the dogs, and I thought, huh, because you know, they had a lot of patches in them, like brown and white patches. And I, wonder could have, I wonder what could have got that Malinois pregnant. And I'm pretty sure it was a basset hound. <laughs> and I'm thinking, That's probably not the dog for me if I want to go hiking. No, probably oh, not. Yes, I'll pick you up and carry you over this. <laughs> Your old ass would be dragging it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't you carry me now? I'm old, damn it. <laughs> Put a saddle on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Hey, Rick, we've had you on the phone for an hour and a half. Is there... Seriously? Yeah, man. Time flies when this you're is, having fun. This is the problem with uh, with me doing podcasts, too. My son's like, Dad, keep it under an hour. You know, two hours and 20 minutes later, we hang up. <laughs> well, at least you have someone to edit your shows for you. You're damn right. If it was up to me, we wouldn't have a podcast. That's, we um, we don't edit ours. We just let it roll like a conversation. Yeah. that's We, we edit out like the burps and the farts and shit like that. Um, <laughs> or when I get when I get way off topic. Or sometimes with the, uh, with the state of steelhead, we'll get a little too amped up and... Uh, Realize we, we've said some things that we probably don't want to own recorded, so we'll take those out. Yeah. Um, but most for the most part, it is just, it's just a fun conversation. Absolutely. That that's so why one, that's why we've been doing it for so long. One of these days, when I get down, when I get back there, and I can't imagine I'll get kitted out. Uh, probably when the kids are older, I'll come down and harass you guys. Absolutely. Um, it'd be super fun to fish with you guys. We can meet. We can meet in the middle, go to Buffalo area or something. Yeah. 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 Very cool. We have, we have a couple of friends in Buffalo um, that we can go fishing with. Oh man. Nothing but trouble there. I know. Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) What a good, what a good bunch of guys there are there. Yeah, man. I, it's been way too long since I've seen Mike. I got to get in touch with him. 
Good. Good. Do that. Mm-hmm. I might so, say hi. Absolutely. So Rick. All right. Hey, uh, where, where can everyone, uh, go listen to the show and where can, uh, someone go buy a painting at, uh, the river uh, is the podcast. Um, Richard C. Harrington.com is most of the art. There's some fishing related stuff on South Lima Society.com. All righty, man. Well, Hey, thank you so much for your time. You guys. Thanks. For fun visit. Kept me from doing yard work. Man, I love Rick. He's such a sweet dude. He is. He's he just that, uh, like Shane was saying over there, uh, it's just a voice for it, you know, very soft spoken. But then he, he can he can just roll with the talking. And he's very so confident with yeah. confident with his voice. Yeah, and conversationist. Like he's a good conversationist. You know. Yeah. He can take the conversation plenty of places. He can you know. So uh, I guess I didn't relay the message to him. He said, oh, "I thought you guys were gonna have me on for five minutes. I still have yard work to do." I was like, oh shit! Sorry, bud. <laughs> we're like, "Hey, Rick, we've had you on for an hour and a half now. It's been an hour and a half." Those hour and a half do go quick, though. They do. This is the most fun talking I have all week. So, Jay, on the way home from Archery League oh, yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Had good Archery League. Uh, we had a lot more people outside after, and, you know, it got a little rowdy out there. It was all funny, you know. John Hancock, that guy, Jesus Christ. Hey, this dude is something to fuck else, man. Wait till you, talk, like, wait till you hear him talk about don't let his daughter fall in the shower because she might get pregnant. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking dude i mean it's some fucked up ad- like the shit that's being said like it's like you're listening to louis ck it's fucked up it was i mean i was crying laughing you know nothing offends us but i'm on my way home and i'm like oh okay you know riding along and it's a middle it's from back ass road my house to back ass road the middle of fucking nowhere a little fur- yeah, yeah yeah it's like it's all back roads and uh, some driving down another back road, and oh, uh, you know, deer everywhere out here. So, all of a sudden, I look. Oh, there's there's a doe on the road. Okay, all right. I'm I'm not gonna swerve. You know, the roads weren't perfect yet. I'm not swerving. I'm just holding true. That deer jumps off the road, and I'm like, oh yes, all right, good, good, I'm good. I look over. There's another deer with it. That deer decides it's gonna jump on the road now. <laughs> and thank gosh, man. I mean, as this deer jumps out in the road, it tries to turn back away from the road, regretting its decision immediately, and slips on the snow and ice on the road and basically lays down for me. And my I, I run it over like a fucking speed bump. <laughs> and, I mean, thank God it wasn't still standing or, it, you know, my grill would have been all, my car been all fucked up. Yeah, you had to get towed home. Nah, I mean, nah, yeah, just been all fucked up. I'd have been had, you know, $5,000 million worth of damage because, you know, the stupid numbers that they did play with all that fucking insurance bullshit. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a bajillion dollars worth of damage on my car. They had totaled my Toyota because I hit a fucking goddamn deer. But, yeah, no, it was perfect. I, 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 so I stop and I rolled his back legs. It's bad, dude. Deer, you know, wasn't dead. It was trying to pull itself up the stone bank with its front, you know, legs. And it was just a, it was a bad experience. But, hey, my brother-in-law has a deer in his garage, so. Nice. And I have no damage to my car. So it didn't go to waste. And I have a back strap coming to me. 
Awesome. For my hard, for my Toyota. For your hard work. Yeah, for my hard work and dedication. <laughs> you should have heard me like, my, I call my bro, my dad, and my dad's like, nah, I'm fucking sleeping. It's like, you know, it's 9.30 at night, you know, he's already in bed. I'm, just, I'm like, Adam was with me, you know, at Archer's. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to call He's Adam. still awake? I know, Adam's still awake. Hey, Adam, you, you want this deer? And I'm at home at, by this point. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to go back. You coming back and meet me? And I'm like, do I have to? I'm like, uh, okay. uh no, here's my, here's my thing. Okay. Like, he was like, <laughs> like, oh, you don't want to, Jay? You don't want to come with me? Like, uh, I guess. Yeah, I'll meet you there in a minute. Oh, man, this sucks. So I went and did that. And then, but hey, like I said, at least it didn't go to waste. I felt terrible in the first place because of what happened, you know? I'm, I'm the person that's the whole time I'm, I'm, I'm apologizing to the button buck that I just ran over. You know, I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. You know, you shouldn't have jumped down the road, you stupid fucker. Like, <laughs> you, you did this to you. <laughs> yeah, this is me, like, you know, rationalizing, crying because this fucking deer's dying in the road, you know? I'm not, I kill deer and shit, you know what I mean? And I like to hunt and all, but... You I'm, like to do it from a distance. I'm not a great white hunter. I'm not a guy that's going to run up and stab it but and, you know, slit its throat and all, and that's not me. No, I like to, I like to make sure I shoot them good and then they're dead when I get there. But yeah, that was that was no fun. But hey, like I said, again, gonna have some deer meat around, so and feeding family. Nice. But at least it didn't go to waste. Yeah, like hope, yeah. like all the other deer you see on the side of the road. Yep, exactly. And you know, hopefully I don't see any more. I'm good till next year. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm cool. I I'm I I don't know if I'll get out with Jace. I mean, we there's enough cold weather that's been here now that we've got good ice oh yeah there's got to be six or more inches of ice i can only imagine i'm not, i haven't been out yet uh spending we talked about this i've got the bin for you know five thousand out at the house you know we're making shit happen over you know doing all our construction stuff power. yeah um but again i if i don't get out with jace i mean hopefully this all gets thawed out soon enough so we can start so we can start fishing. fishing yeah some fishing would be nice i i tied up an entire smallmouth box since we talked to bart last week i've seen that yeah you've been sending out pics of cray clousers yeah they look, they look great so th- those were cray half and half would be even cooler though but i love the clouser yeah I, I i don't know why i just i've been this whole box i've had small flies so yeah I mean, we, we fish with enough big flies. I'm sure you have Oh, I got, tons of, I got tons of big flies. I don't have any small flies. <clears throat> so, do we have anything else we need to hit on? No, I don't think so, man. Hey, I want to thank Shane for stopping in tonight. It was fun having you here, bud. Thank you. A man of many words. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, we'll have to <laughs> you get to moving around, <clears throat> move around the area, and maybe we have to stop in and hang out more often. And then you could... You don't have to feel nervous about when you talk. It's okay. You say whatever fuck you want. It was funny. Uh, I went to a, before we get out of here. I, I went to a uh, funeral for my wife's family. That was funny. It was, it was a few months back. This it sucked, but a couple of her, uh, one of her uh, older cousins is really into fishing, and he's listened to a bunch of the podcast. Oh shit! So you know, <laughs> I, I answered. It, it, you know, it was his father who died. I, uh, his dad was an awesome guy, but you know, I you know. Oh, I've heard. Oh, I listen to your podcast a lot, man. I love it. You know, and I'm like, 
Oh, I'm sorry you listened to that. Don't tell your mother what I say on the podcast. Just, just let's keep this between you and I. Don't tell any of the rest of the family how I really am, please. Oh my gosh, they would, they would, oh, they would want to disown me more than they do now. Yeah, already. So yeah, but yeah, you don't have to feel. No, it's this is this is the free judgment free zone right here. Judgment free zone. This is a safe space. Yeah, right, what, In, unless you're Jace. One thing to to pitch into you guys talking about the ice fishing and thawing out. My mother-in-law said a couple days ago, eight more. Eight more Mondays until spring, so it's not far away. That's a good way there to think go. about it. Yeah, spring solstice. solstice. Uh. Hell yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, man. So hey, tonight's show has been brought to you by Predator Flagger. Check them out at predatorflagger.com. We are being brought to you live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Uh, hey, check out Market urbanflycompany.com and tying night will be friday night at the tadad dance studio in mercer uh come check us out i will be there tying with mark i'm not sure if chad will be there i know i'll be leaving the next morning i'll be gone all weekend we're doing the uh tubing up in meadville that's so, fun man yeah, it should be pretty cool hopefully nobody gets hurt yeah hopefully no one breaks their foot like my wife did last yeah, year not gonna happen hopefully not yeah but uh hey if you're gonna tie flies tie them on arex hooks check them out at arex.com our good buddy Ryan Evans at Queen City Guiding, queencityguiding.com. Check him out. Um, Sims, simsfishing.com, and Yeti, built for the wild. I got threw you off, didn't I, this time? You yes, didn't you get did. to do marks. I, I always uh, do marks. <laughs> hey, check out uh, richardcharrington.com, southlimasteelheadsociety.com, and uh, I think that should be it for the evening, guys. I think so. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening.